Good morning. Thank you for joining me here, Brother Reed, of course. I selected congregants before our service began to write down the name of every person who's here. Names, addresses, shortcomings. Then I compared it, side to side, with what the story had already told me weeks, months ago. About who would be here. Names, addresses, shortcomings, and the story was right. It predicted this. And more importantly, it predicted that today not a stranger is among us. And the story tells us that the man who involves himself in a stranger's business signs his own death warrant. Let us say the words the story has told us. The story must be told. Stand up, Martiana. Let the congregation see you. Wave to them. Thank them. Tonight we will tell your story. We'll know the disgust you felt that day. We'll celebrate with you in the story. It will bubble in our hearts the way sweet crow-croa fizzes in our yearning bellies. So then, before we tell your story, let us remind ourselves of our partners at Crow Croa and take a short break from the service. Hey, you little plumpers, it's plump time. This weekend, you can get a special one-time only collectible two liter of sweet Crow Croa in participating church-approved locations of Grinning Greg's Grocery. Crow Croa gives you the buzz you need to live your story. And it's the drink that never forgets you are nothing. So plump down on a sweet Crow Croa collectible bottle while supplies last. Crow Croa, plump on it. Imagine an elixir to dissolve the cowardice that lies within each and every one of you. If you had no faults, would you have a story? <laughs> That's a wise crack. Because we all have a story. None of you can achieve perfection because the story will find your faults. And we will know them. Martiana, it is time for your story. We will lead you to water as you lead a horse. But will you drink of the truth? Let us pray. The story must be told. The Horseman, or Stay Uninvolved, by Equus McSinner, from the Book of Holy Beasts. Martiana softly held my arm as I led her down the town's main thoroughfare. The shops were closed and the vegetable carts packed safely away in the small nooks between the buildings. The setting sun painted the streets orange and pink. It was quiet, save for an old horse struggling to carry a cart, driven by an old man in dirty coveralls who was nodding in and out of sleep. The cart slowly swerved from one side of the road to the other and would right itself with a crack. 
whenever the driver would briefly wake up and whip the reins. Martiana politely covered her mouth and laughed at the old man's poor driving. I myself wasn't as amused. As an insurance adjuster, I knew all too well how carelessness such as this was how most mortal accidents started. I made a note to speak frankly with Martiana about this later, but at the moment I didn't want to sour our evening. I smiled back at her, but it came across as a wince. The cart crooked hard to the left, and the horse's pace quickened. The old man was slumped over, dozing, hanging off the side of the cart. The horse sped up to a canter, and the wheels bounced noisily off the cobblestone. This woke the old man up, however with such a start that he inadvertently whipped the reins, prodding the horse to go ever faster. Martiana screamed. The cart barreled into the still organ roundabout. The old man shouted, Hi! Hi! But the horse could not be contained. It barreled forward as if possessed. The horse's body went fully into the intersection, with its cart just barely behind it, momentarily shielding the driver from the incoming traffic. The beast unexpectedly stopped and righted itself like a statue. A 29 Ford two-door peeled around the bend it was all over. The bumper caught the horse right at its front legs. They snapped at a weird angle and went under the front of the car. The beast's monstrously heavy shoulders collapsed on the Ford's hood, crushing the engine and further pinning its own legs under the car. It brayed so terribly I felt vomit sting my molars. The horseman was ejected from his seat and flew over the top of his steed. He landed with a crash onto the windscreen of the car and rolled off into the street. The engine smoked as the horse struggled in vain to free itself, crying in agony, twitching like a fly. Martiana stood frozen in horror. I attempted to free my arm from her grasp, but she held it so tightly her fingers bruised my bicep. Let me free, I howled. She responded with terrified silence. I must help them, I cried, shoving her aside. With no time to apologize, I sprinted towards the accident. At the scene, the engine smoke had turned from white to dark black and was spewing out with growing intensity. The car shook back and forth on its shocks as the horse lamely tried to let itself loose. Blood oozed from its mouth and its eyes as it stared at me in desperation. The passenger side door lamely swung open, and its driver spilled out onto the cobblestone with a thud. He laid in the street for a moment before woozily pushing himself up on all fours. He ferociously vomited yellow bile that steamed in the cool evening air. The driver slowly brought himself to his feet, sucked in a deep breath, and screeched inhumanly, so high-pitched that my eardrums rang and split. He had a severe cut above his right eye, covering the side of his face in a dark sheet of blood. Part of his windshield had sliced open the flesh on his cheekbone, and skin hung limply from below his eye to his chin, exposing teeth and muscle. He continued to shout, his gory countenance deranged. The driver paced around the car with his arms raised above his head, as if he were trying to scare away a bear. I tried to back away without notice, but he caught sight of me and lurched towards me, gnashing his exposed teeth. No, sir, I... I 
was all I could manage to squeak. He pried his damaged chrome bumper off the Ford's grill. He raised it above his head like a club, and he bellowed at me, blood pouring from his mouth and eyes rolling back in his head. He had become insanity personified. The man was so hypnotized by his own rage that he didn't see the coachman, unconscious on the ground, directly in front of him. When the driver lunged at me, he tripped right over the coachman. He fell forward heavily, bouncing his upper lip off a sharp corner of his totaled car. The force of the fall against the metal severed off the top of his mouth, further revealing a mush of pulverized gums and teeth. And for a moment, it was nearly silent. The smoking car made queer metallic clicking sounds as its chassis expanded under the heat. The horse wheezed odd grunts, trying to free itself as its life drained. A disturbing groaning rose from below my knees. The coachman was coming too. He slowly stood, swaying in circles. A broken bone poked through the skin of his arm, and a tiny cotton ball of pink brains puffed through a severe dent in his forehead. He looked at me and smiled with smashed teeth and empty eyes, chilling my very soul. When his eyes fell on the gory display of his horse, he snapped out of his trance. He limped to it and collapsed on its torso, giving it a big hug. He clamored. I frowned upon realizing he was Polish, and a measurable amount of sympathy left me. Yet life still unmercifully clung to the horse. What god would allow such a beast to withstand agony is a mystery, Polish or not. He wept. The horse sputtered, breathing heavily. Sir, we need to get you to a doctor, I pled with him. He continued to cry out the phrase over and over. He cried louder and louder, upsetting the horse, who began to gurgle out a moribund whinny. Its bloody eyes stared through me as its deep bray hypnotically wove itself into his master's cries. I felt dizzy, like their madness was affecting me. My head was about to burst when I finally bellowed, Enough! Enough! Show mercy on this beast! This is insanity! In one frenzied moment, I scooped up the chrome bumper the driver had dropped on the cobblestone. I swung it hard over my shoulders and landed it directly between the horse's eyes. Push! Its skull caved in. I had put the beast out of its misery. The Polish man stared at me in disbelief, and his expression quickly switched from shock to fury. He roared in his upsetting mother tongue. No, no, I was showing mercy, I pled as he got to his feet and lurched towards me. Blood trickled from his tear ducts and clear liquid oozed from under his exposed brains. The man crouched, ready to jump at me. He sprung forward as a forearm caught him at his throat and slammed him to the ground. Ah! Screeched the driver of the totaled car, now awake and furious as ever. He threw the Polish coachman to the ground. Sirens blared in the distance, coming closer as the driver climbed on top of him. I prayed to our forgotten God that they'd arrive in time to bring an end to the spiraling hysteria. 
The driver pinned the injured pole by his shoulders with his knees and set his hands on the man's cheekbones and slowly plunged his thumbs into the man's eyes. Screamed the Polish coachman as the driver cackled uninterrupted. The Polish man struggled beneath him as his eyes burst and white goo ran down his cheeks. The sirens were at our backs. The police had arrived. I breathed a heavy sigh of relief, though their presence didn't slow the driver's violent enterprise. There! There! It's him! I heard a familiar voice shout. It was Marciana, flanked on both sides by burly policemen. Oh, Marciana, thank God it's you! I cried back, walking to her with arms wide open. No! She wailed, stepping back with her palms up in defense. It was he! It was he who killed the horse! She yelled, nearly fainting. The two policemen unsheathed their clubs and advanced upon me. No! No, you don't understand! I cawed as the driver continued to savage the coachman behind me, bouncing the mush of the pole's skull against the road. The police officers paid the two men no attention and raised their clubs above their heads. Killing a horse is a crime in this country, one of the police officers growled through clenched teeth. But the man, it was the Polish man, I pleaded. The police officer on my left grabbed me by my shoulder as the other swung down his club against my forehead. I collapsed to the ground, sticking to a pool of the Polish man's blood, which was running towards a sewer drain like water during a light rainfall. The policeman cheered the murderous driver on as I slipped out of consciousness. Excuse me, excuse me. Is this seat open? Why, thanks. Hope you're not too afraid of my scars. If it sets you at ease, I'll introduce myself. The name's Gavin, and <laughs> I'm the driver you've heard about. Boy, this used to be such a quiet town. Till the rest of the country heard about what we did to the man who killed the horse with my bumper. Well, we turned him into a horse. And every Sunday, we put him on display here in this coliseum. He enters the ring. We see the animal he's become. God damn. 5,000 people gotta be here. Place is packed. It's been quite a boon for the local economy. Until recently, a train would stop in town only once a week, carrying mostly mail. Now trains empty out tourists several times a day, and even more on weekends. To some, he's a sign of our kingdom's commitment to justice under the law. The women come waving miniature flags while their husbands pin their military medals to their chests, which they puff out proudly. To others, he's a symbol of social progress. They come with fake blood smeared across their foreheads to symbolize man's unity and brotherhood with horses, to whom we owe so much for their contribution to the Empire. But to most, he's a perverse fascination. Yes, this brand of tourist arrives with a belly full of warm beer, his mouth smeared with the greasy treats he greedily devoured on the train. He stumbles over the others, clapping strangers on the back. Shh! Shh now! Do you hear that? The silence? He's entering the arena. Look down! There on the left, yes. <laughs> That's right. That's him, the horse murderer! 
pulling the cart. Don't be turned off by his nakedness. There's a reason to this. The judges of the law decided that for taking the life of a horse, he must live as one. He must live as a horse. So this is why his bare penis hangs so low. It has nothing to do with remarkable endowment. Rather, he's been naked so long that gravity has taken its toll. The sandy arenas nearly rubbed his foreskin off. Whoo! You're right, he is pretty skinny. But consider the racehorse. Are they padded with fat? Surely no. The man is lean. He is all muscle. Ah, it is hard to look past the sores leaking around his bridle, but it's necessary. The first few months he'd scream and scream while pulling the cart. The bridle was an act of mercy to save the citizens from hearing his outrageous pleas for clemency. That pouch behind his bare posterior cheeks, you see it there, that's to catch his waist. That very pouch was once used for the king's celebrated Clydesdales, now modified to fit a human horse. I've welcomed a bit of celebrity around here. The mayor gave me permanent ownership of the keys to the city. They take care of me, you know, you know. The man, now horse, was a murderous, nervous pig. To be frank, we have forgotten his name. In the city, he is no longer a man. He is a horse, and a horse he will forever be. Let's watch him now. The story must be told. The story must be told. Horses. Horses in our day to day. I have seen a horse running around our very town. And it is a filthy beast I have ever seen. On its rear is emblazoned the brand of its former owner, a 662, the devil's unrepentant cousin, Grinner. And I have seen this mare of devilry. At the children's playhouse, I have seen it in the elder home of our elders, and I have seen it in the sty where our pigs make their pig love and pig birth. And let me tell you, if a horse is watching you as much as this horse watches all of us, perhaps it is just a conduit for the story. For as our forebears once said, a horse's eyes are but a story's untold promises, glittering, full of sclera and pussy, Pussy with the promise. That was Story Must Be Told, and I've swallowed $80 of rare coins. We are proud to be hosted on the Last Podcast Network, lastpodcastnetwork.com. But 
I need to pay the interstate toll. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TSMVTPod. I've never stopped at the toll booth, and I've unrolled the driver's window. We've got shirts for sale, affordable and handsome, from Topetico. Links in our Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, and I'm dropping my trousers and lacy underwear. So rate us, review us. The cows are honking, honk, honk, but I can't hear them over my clanking bowel obstructions. This was a post-everything production. Check out our short films and TSMBT promos on posteverythingproductions.com. Uh-oh, clang, clang. Uh-oh, clang, clang, clang. Ah, and the lady waves me through. So we'll be back next week. Whoopsie, almost lost my Ohio Bicentennial quarter. Gulp. <laughs> Ooh, too fresh. <laughs> the story must be told.